Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I discovered how powerful our mind is and how much our mind just shapes everything that we do. Is that something that you can get people to focus on and attain. Well, hello, everybody. It's Dr. Phil, and we are ready to fill in some blanks on something that I find absolutely fascinating. My guest today is an expert in the psychology of success, so you can imagine why I'm fascinated by all of this. Dr. Annie Shadle is herself a two-time NCAA national track and field champion, winning in the 1500 meters outdoors and the mile indoors. So I love that she's competed. And as much as I hate running, I know that that takes a special breed of cat and a special degree of discipline to do that, particularly at the level she has. She competed in the 1500 meters in the 2008 Olympic trials, was a semifinalist. She ran professionally for three years for Reebok. And now she has a PhD in health, education, and promotion. Her research focused on understanding the psycho-emotional and psychosocial challenges, preparation, and responses of Olympic gold medal winning athletes. And she holds a BS in exercise science. So she's all over performance. She's the director of mental performance for the New York Jets and is working to apply the winning psychology of champion athletes to our nation's Air Force personnel as a leading performance researcher at the Air Force 711th Human Performance Wing. Now, this fascinates me because I think so much of performance is mental. And she clearly has a love of people and loves seeing other people succeed. And trust me, you've got to have a passion for that. You've got to take great joy in seeing others succeed to really be good at this. And she's here with us to share the most advanced ideas and preparation techniques to help all of you, me, all of us get to that next level. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Annie Shadle. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you today. I am glad that you're here. So first off, I was just describing this in general terms. Tell people what it is you do, what it is you focus on, because this isn't mental health. This is mental performance. Describe that for people and what it is you do. Yeah. So I think just for my own athletic journey, so we follow our passions in life. So a little bit about my story was just really liking understanding how we push our bodies, how we push those limits, um, understanding from the physiological standpoint. So my exercise science um, degree, really wanting to understand that. And, and through that journey, I discovered just how powerful that mind is. And I saw myself drawn to and wanting to know more about those that were successful, right? And how did they do what they did and how did they continually stand at the top of the podium, right? Win the national championships, win um, whatever, whatever championship you're after. Um, and so through that, I discovered more of 
the psychology aspects and just how powerful our mind is um, and just how, how much our mind just shapes everything that we do. So that led me kind of back to really understanding what that performance mindset is and, and what the best of the best do, um, the environments that create these winning, these winning teams, these winning organizations. And, and that's kind of where I live and breathe and, and love, love to do that kind of work. Yeah. Now, the reason this fascinates me so much is when I was going through my training, I did clinical psychology and I did behavioral medicine or medical psychology. For people that are listening to us, is a study where our psychological functioning and physiological functioning merge and interact. Now, my focus had to do with disease and disease management. Yours has to do with performance. Yep. And I'm a strong believer that success leaves clues. So when you start studying one champion, then the next champion and another champion, there are patterns, right? There are clues that it leaves. Not everyone is unique. There are things that you can study, learn, and find patterns to. Have you found that to be true? Yeah. And just to kind of step back with what you shared of, our lenses were basically from opposite angles, right? So from the clinical standpoint, um, what you studied and were trained in, and then I'm looking at um, the opposite, right? So we're looking at happy, healthy, flourishing people, successful people, um, and really trying to understand how do they live their lives? What are the decisions that may, that they make? What are these environments that help to support them? And so really taking that positive psychology lens um, with also that performance lens of really understanding what, what that group of people um, are doing and how they are, are having that success. Is there a distinct difference in terms of a set of characteristics, a set of values, behaviors, beliefs, mental performance-wise, between those that routinely stand on the top of that podium versus those that might be matched physically in a lot of characteristics, but they just don't ever get to the top of that hill? The short answer is yes. We can, we can definitely talk and dive all into all of that for sure. What are the core characteristics that you've identified and are they attainable? If there are people that don't get to the podium, don't get to the top of the heap, but maybe have the physical characteristics, are there things that they can do? Can they make those changes? Right. Well, as you know, change is hard, right? But I think in terms of if I go back and I look at, uh, I'll share a little bit here. So um, I competed in the 2008 Olympic trials and did not make the Olympic team. So that was um, a turning point in my life where it was like, well, what happened here, right? Which led me back to school to then really dive in and understand what did I miss here, right? How did these people that I've beat before make this team and I didn't? Um, so through that, when I first started doing this research, it was really trying to understand from um, the athlete's perspective what was going on, right? So in terms of how do I approach my training? What's my environment looking like? And so I re was really diving into self-determination theory um, and then a positive psychology theory, PERMA, so I can speak more onto those. But really what I was looking at there was understanding um, more of that intrinsic motivation and self-determination that one has to have in order to achieve these great heights. Um, and then there's different elements within that. So do I have autonomy? So am I making decisions for myself? Am I the one that's showing up at practice pushing myself? Or is it from this outside external source that's pushing me, right? So stronger forms of motivation would be me showing up, me pushing myself, right? 
Um, second part to self-determination is a sense of belonging and connection, right? So I matter. It matters that I show up to my team, to my coach. Um, they care about me. I care about them. There's this connection of human element that's there. Um, the third part of self-determination theory is competence. So do I have the knowledge and skills? Am I working at and getting better at this skill set every day, right? So in the NFL, am I getting better at my position work? Am I improving upon these things? Am I getting faster, stronger? Am I learning the installs in our game plan, right? So am I building that way? And those lay the foundation for intrinsic motivation, which is the strongest form of motivation, um, which allows that leads to like a self-determined person. Um, there are some different things that come in where we kind of, where we environments can help either help that motivation that's within us, or it can hurt some of those things. So, well, let's break this down for a minute because you're talking about intrinsic motivation. Is what you're saying at the foundation of this, the person's got to really want it themselves. They can't be doing this for coaches, spouses, parents. They got to really want this. It's got to be for them. That's 1,000% correct, yes. And that has to come from within that individual person, right? And then this kind of goes to my last research project where I was really looking at um, personality characteristics of who made the team versus who did not. And the, the, one of the defined traits that was discovered was this need to achieve, right? So this person has to be the driver in terms of I set hard goals. It's really important to me. I know how to attain those goals and I'm driven um, to go after those really, really hard things, right? Um, so that was like another determining factor, which just kind of um, just helps to str strengthen that um, piece of you, you've got to want it. Is that something that is either there or it's not? Or is that something that you can get people to focus on and attain? So I would say this is a great question that many people will have debates on. And, and my stance is that I am a like believer in the human spirit and I'm a believer in people. And so I would say that, like, yes, these are things that we can work on. Um, but I think it's really important within the sport environment, if we want to talk about that, um, it's, it's really important of what that environment is, right? So we know what positive environments can do. We know... Um, what supporting one another, giving words of encouragement does for the human being. And so I think that, yes, we can absolutely help this by building these like very good environments for people to be able to like reach those, those high highs. But if you've got somebody playing a sport that maybe their mother or their dad really aspired at, and they just are expected to do it, but it's not their passion, it's not their love, that's going to be a steep hill to climb. Correct. That will be a steep hill to climb. And, and we see that, right? We see this a lot. And if we think about how, how youth sport is moving um, and even high school sports, we see a lot of that, of, of parents pressuring their children to do things um, on both of those ends. But my, I guess my recommendations would be is to uh, be able to like, identify what this individual like what the children what the child would like to do and then hopefully flourish um build some of that intrinsic motivation within them 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How do you do that? How do we tell our listeners, if they've got their children, they take them to Little League baseball, Little League soccer, track and field, whatever, how do they determine and or instill in them that intrinsic motivation? How do they determine that they either have it or instill in them so they find that fit for them where they can really get some traction in an area? Yeah, this is, it's a great question. And I feel like I've talked with my sister about this and my friends who have younger, younger children. Um, and I think it's really important, right, where we instill these values in, in children, right? It's really important that we follow through on our commitments. It's really important that, um, you know, we try hard things, right? It's really important to do our best, to give our best effort. And that's the most important thing, right? So if you think about a younger child that's beginning sport and, um, the child learns sport through the coach, right? So the number one reason why kids play sports is because it's fun. The number one reason why kids stop playing sports is because it's not fun anymore. And so I think some of those pressures maybe that are coming from the parent of not doing good enough or the, maybe the child feels like they can't meet these expectations of this parent um, makes them not want to try, right? And so I think if we can kind of get back to more of those values based of giving your best effort, it really matters. Um, showing up, right, with a positive attitude, um, supporting your friends, and and just enjoying that experience, those things help to nurture intrinsic motivation. Because you've got to get a payoff for it, right? Even practice. When you're going and practice, running drills, doing whatever, there's got to be some payoff for it every time you do it. Even if it's sacrifice, grinding, grueling, there, there's got to be some positive experience for the athlete, whether it's a child or college, there's got to be some payoff for it for them to want to come back and do this again and again and again. Right. And sometimes I think it's getting them to experience that moment, right? So I think um, with myself and my athletic experience, um, when I had that first joy of overcoming something that I didn't know that I could do, whether it was a workout or whether it was a time that I was trying to hit. And I think probably all of us can go back to our experiences and think through like, oh, all that hard work paid off, right? Or wow, that was really fun where I didn't know if I could do that and I made it through. And so I think once we get those moments that feel really good, where we feel really proud of what we've, the work we've put in, um, those are the moments that we want to obviously savor and nurture um, because that makes it worth it, right? Yeah, that makes it worth it afterwards. I played football in grade school, junior high, high school, and college. And during two-a-days, for example, 
I found it really hard to get a payoff. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> the third day of two a days, the second practice, now you got nothing but lactic acid in your body and it's 100 degrees out there and it's like, oh my God, kill me now. But you find a way to get through it. I'm not sure how, but you do. Yeah. How do you get through it, right? We have teammates, right? And if you think through those friendships and that togetherness that you had during those really hard days, there's a lot of team cohesion and bonding that happens in that, right? In that, in that push and that struggle. And then also it's that delayed gratification where you know that moment of the football game is going to come and all of the energy that's going to come with that. And so more of that long-term goal, right? So being able to understand what I'm doing right now and what I'm committing to right now for the benefit of what will be coming, right? And how happy you will be, um, whatever. It's the first game of the season or it's the championship game where you know you can step in ready to play, knowing that you did everything you could to prepare your mind and body for that moment. You said a really important word in terms of your teammates because when I look back on it now and people that I've talked to, it's always been that band of brothers sort of feeling. You're in it together. We're going to get through this together. I'm not going to let my teammate down. He's not going to let me down. If you're laying on your back, you look up and there's a hand there to get you up. You just feel like there's that sense of acceptance that's so important. That's powerful currency for those times when the band's not playing, the lights aren't shining, the crowd's not yelling. But there is that currency you get from the fellowship the camaraderie of being in the team together. And that's important to your performance motivation. Yeah. Yep. And I would say that real champions love that process, right? So the fun and the lights and the showtime is really important, but the best of the best athletes really enjoy the training to some extent, right? Like we understand it's hard, it's difficult, um, but we take at least some joy in like knowing we're pushing ourselves, we're improving ourselves, we're learning at mastering these skills, right? So again, if we think about just motivationally, what I'm focused on to improve myself, to master these things, um, those things hopefully would bring some enjoyment or engagement into what you're doing, right? You have to love that process. Um, and I think any, anyone who has had success like understands that that grind um, pays off in the end. And so you're able to withstand and, and sacrifice the things that you have to in order to get to that end goal. What would you say to parents that have these kids in athletics, which I think are great? I was in athletics all of my life, and we didn't have a lot of money, so that was currency. That was our entertainment. That was what I was able to do, and I was the family's entertainment because they could go to the games for free, and there was a lot of different payoffs for it. But what do you say to these parents about how to find the balance of being a positive motivational force yet stopping short of being like a stage mom because I've seen so many of my friends' dads as I was growing up put so much pressure on the kid at practices or games that the kid was absolutely miserable in fear that they were going to mess up, screw up, not do well enough, and they were going to have to be accountable to their parent after the fact. That ruined it. I saw it ruin it for so many of them. What do you say to parents about how to find that balance to get the best performance out of a child so they do enjoy it and have peak performance at the same time? 
Yeah, and I and I understand the struggle of um, wanting your child involved, but also wanting them to give their best effort. All of these things, and I would say one in general. I completely agree with you in terms of all of the important life skills that sport teaches. Right, like sport is wonderful. You get to push your own, push yourself, accomplish different things. You learn teamwork. You build friendships. Let alone have. Um, lifestyle habits, right? And so I think if even if I just take a step back and zoom out a little bit, um, it's really important for young kids to be involved in these activities um, just for the lifelong healthy habits that can be instilled in having a good routine, eating healthy, hydrating your body. All of those things are really important. Um, and so if I were to give advice to parents, it would definitely be to either dive in and read some books on how to best support your child in these ways um, or also, the most important thing is that back to kind of that best effort, right? And encouraging them um, to, well, I'll, I'll step back. So I think one of the things that we're seeing with children these days is they're not allowed to fail, right? And parents don't want their children to fail. They want them to be superstars. They don't want them to suffer in any type of way, meaning like have to struggle through things, right? We don't like that. We don't like struggle in general as human beings, right? We don't like to have to wrestle with things or not feel like we're good at something um, and have to work at that skill set. But unfortunately, as, as you and I both know, like in anything that is worth accomplishing, accomplishing takes struggle and effort, right? And some days it's really hard. And some days we don't know if we can do it or not, right? Am I even any good at this? I don't know. And I think those are normal questions to have. But again, I think something that we need to work on instilling in our, in our young children is we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes and that's okay, but it's really important that we get up and try again. Right. And so my parent, as a parent, my expectation is for you is that you do your best. You're kind to your teammates. You're a supportive teammate. You bring a really good positive attitude every day. And even just expressing to your child, I love watching you play the sport. I love watching you practice. I love watching you work hard. So you're giving that feedback of that versus maybe this child feels like I'm never meeting my parents' expectations. My parents aren't proud of me. They just want me to be the best on the team, which maybe some parents do. And I would challenge them of like, that's not important right now for their development, right? You want them to enjoy this experience, work at, um, work at that skill, work at building these sports skills, whatever sport it is, but really um, the most important thing is giving your best effort. Are we failing to teach these kids resilience right now with this everybody gets a trophy mentality? Yeah, yeah. So I would say I've had this conversation of lo a lot and the everyone gets a trophy, I, I, I'll say I don't agree with, but also like kids know, right? So by giving everyone a trophy for participation, like kids know, right? Like they know if they're, good. They know if they're not good. Right. So they, they know where they are. Right. Um, so again, I, it's, I, I, I don't think competition is a bad thing, right? Some people might think that competition isn't great, but I think competition is a good thing if it's taught properly. Um, and again, back to these sport environments, like it's okay to compete. Um, but also back to that self-improvement, right? So some of those things make, sport fun, but also like back to what are we teaching these children in terms of like life skills that are, that they're going to need. I've got two boys. They're seven years apart actually. And I coached both of them 
in basketball, which I know very little about. So I was kind of like the bus driver, but somebody had to do it. So I was the coach and it was at the Y. So you go into these age brackets, you know, 10 and under the first year you're in that age bracket, you're playing against kids that are the last year in that age bracket. So the first year we were like one in 13, but when they won that one game, they were delirious. (laughs) They finally won a game. If we had celebrated every game that we lost, then it would have cheapened the win. Then the next year, they won five or six. And then the last year, they did really well. And they really loved making that improvement. Yep. I think competition is great. They learned about this. Hey, we can get better. Yeah. And actually, the word competition, if you um, break it down, it actually means strive together. So we've, we've lost a little bit of what that definition of that word means, but I think that's really powerful in terms of striving together, right? So we push each other, we challenge each other, we support each other, and that can be a really, really beautiful thing when done right. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Resilience just seems to be really important and something that we're letting slip away right now. So I'm glad to hear you say that. I think it's a good thing to fall down and get back up. I would agree with that. And I think there's some, I, I, you know, you have these life experiences, you have these things, and then I love diving into the psychology and frameworks and things like that. And there's a beautiful framework on resiliency with um, Olympic champions. And I love that because the model really looks at like what's happening. How do I respond to this in, in a good way? What's my motivation? What's my focus? What's my social support, right? So what social support do I have? And then some psychology terms, because I like them, but that that meta, our metacognitions or our kind of our appraisal, our cognitive appraisal, right? So basically, how do we think about these things, right? So how am I interpreting what's happening, right? So sometimes if we think about something that's really hard that we need to be resilient from, right? So what are what are we, how are we perceiving this challenge? What are we telling ourselves? What's what is the support that we have from other people? Uh, what are we motivated to do out of that, right? Which then comes our response. So I think, again, just kind of breaking down resiliency and what we're wanting to see, um, some of those psychological frameworks actually help us understand what might be missing, right? Do they have the support? Are they being more negative or harder, self-critical of themselves? And like, how do we help facilitate the responses to help them through to be more resilient? Performance-wise, do you work with these athletes on their specific internal dialogue? Yeah, I think in general, those are, if we step back and just think of mental skills, right? And so this is what I teach from is um, we practice our skills as athletes, right? So whatever that is, if you're a hurdler, if you're a long jumper, if you're a basketball player, if you're a football player, um, and if you think about these we practice our physical skills, but oftentimes we're not practicing our mental skills, right? So one of the mental skills that I teach from is self-talk, right? What is that internal dialogue? How am I talking myself through or coaching myself through? Um, and self-talk can be either motivational, right? Like you can do this, come on, right? Whatever that internal dialogue is, or it can be instructional, right? 
lift your leg up, drive your hips through, right? So all of that self-talk can be really helpful in that moment, but it's one of many mental skills that I work with athletes on. And different athletes respond to different kinds of self-talk, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I am definitely a a positive self-talk person, right? So not so much being negative and critical, but offering some compassion to, um, but I think depending on the individual's personality and what works for them, um, right? There's different things that are going to work for certain athletes. So one of the things that I talk to athletes about is really understanding your own psychology, right? And you have to understand what your mind does and where it goes when things get really hard. And so that's your job. Like I, I can work with you on these things, but you've got to really understand your own psychology and work through it in those moments um, to best help yourself perform when it, when it really, really counts. So let's talk about pressure. What is your approach to helping people perform at that critical moment when it's their opportunity to choke or their opportunity to really step up and excel? Do you have a particular strategy, approach, philosophy about teaching athletes to deal with those big pressure moments? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, when, you, when you first brought that up, you, I worked with a coach once that said, I, pressure doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. Right. So in their mind, that's how they dealt with it was just saying, like, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, And then you hear the cliches of like, well, pressure builds diamonds. And, you know, there's all of these things with dealing with pressure. But I think in general, um, ideally, we've prepared our athletes for this moment. Right. So um, the best athletes of the best athletes just live for those pressure moments. Right. And this is when we see in the movies where like things get like foggy and kind of zoom out and you just see this like tunnel vision, right? And the best athletes like live for those moments um, and know exactly what to do. But even with that, they've probably had these moments as they've gone through sport to know how to handle those moments, right? So if we think about your progression and your development as an athlete, probably early on, there were coaches that helped them have those moments that now when there are these big moments in the Super Bowl or whatever it is, they know how to manage those. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, are you saying acknowledge it and have a strategy for it when it comes up? Well, I would say the best of the best, like live for those moments, but I would say two, uh, in those moments, right. So you take control of what happens, right. So you know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly the play, you know exactly how you're going to, what you need to do and you stay focused on the moment. Right. So you don't get overwhelmed by the moment, but you're able to like recognize where your mind is. You're able to put it where it needs to be and like block out any distractions that might be there. Right. So whatever that is, the winning free throw of a basketball game. Right. So, you know, exactly like stay with your routine, take your deep breath, do your shot. Right. So really being able to control your mind to stay focused on the task at hand to deliver your best performance in that moment. And when we see athletes maybe fall apart in those moments, probably because they were distracted outside of the moment. Something caught their attention, their mind wandered, they became overwhelmed as opposed to really dialing in, taking control of that moment and delivering your best performance in that moment. I play tennis a lot, like 300 days a year. I play with a lot of really good players, some on the tour and all, and that aspect of getting to match point and double faulting when that's not who they are. They just don't double fault, but then they get to that moment and they hit it a foot under the tape because they tighten up. And everyone that I talk to says exactly what you just said. They get distracted in that moment. They start playing what if 
like, oh my God, what if I double fault? Oh my God, what if this? What if they, they start thinking about other than executing the shot? Really, every point weighs the same, but they put all of that time, all that pressure, and all the distraction comes into that moment. And of course, they're going to miss the ball. They don't even look at it because they're so distracted. That's such a good point about not being distracted in that critical moment. Yep. And it's hard to keep our mind in the present, right? So it's really hard to do that in that moment. But again, it's training your mind to know exactly what you need to do in that moment. Yeah, but boy, it sure pays off if you can. And that's the difference, those that really hone that skill versus those that don't. Right. When you do this with a team like the Jets, I guess there are some things you can do collectively with a team, but then there are things you have to do with the individual players because of their personal profiles. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would say, um, again, I love education. I love teaching. And so we can work on these things. Um, I say coach, I say teach. Um, and so we can talk about these things as a whole. We can discuss these various things. And then just like any other classroom or any other, um, even if like football classroom, whatever it is, each person has their own skill set that they need to improve upon, right? So um, just as we're teaching different installs or, or different things uh, within different classrooms, like we're also um, working on exactly what we need to work on for our own selves. So we understand what our strengths are. We understand those areas where we need to get better with our, with our own mental game. When you first broach these subjects, when you first introduce working on mental performance, do you find some of the people poo-poo it, are resistant to it, and you have to win them over? Is there skepticism or do people lean into this? Uh, It's a combination of both, I would say. Uh, I think that as we're understanding more of the sports science frontier, we're really understanding the importance of the mental side. And I think um, sometimes if we don't understand, then maybe we might question some things, but I think it's in more of a curious way of just not knowing and not understanding. But I would say that every coach and every athlete that I've come across and interacted with, they understood the importance of developing that mental side or develop knowing the importance of that. Um, and sometimes, you know, it might, they might not necessarily be open to some things, but in general, they know the importance of it. Right. So um, I think as we're continuing to watch just sport in general move, um, we're becoming more accepting of mental performance um, in, in these ways. We're watching, this is like growing more as a career field now. Yeah, clearly it's got to be rewarding for you to see it when you are working with a player and you see them get focused, you see them get more efficient in their performance based on the skills that they're developing mentally to really step that performance up. It's got to be rewarding for you. Yeah, definitely. And I think once once someone can engage, once they engage in understanding all the benefits of sports psychology and performance psychology, and they really commit to it, then they definitely see the payoffs and the benefits for that. Well, if we've got people listening now that are athletes, whether a golfer, a tennis player, a runner, If you were going to give someone two or three things to really focus on to really enhance and build their performance, what would you tell them to focus on? One, I would say, what's the goal, right? So I want to understand like what the goal is, right? So what are we working towards? 
because having a clear direction of, of what we're after is really important, right? Um, two, I would say investing in your own psychology. So just giving some time for self-reflection, understanding, um, you know, what your mind does, right? So does it get distracted? Does it get critical? Um, does it lose focus? Just kind of understanding those areas where you want to improve in yourself, right? Um, and then just understanding that journey of there are going to be not great days, there's going to be hard days, but just kind of sticking with that plan and that commitment and that routine, that's really important. Well, I think those are three great things. Number one, I think it's so important for people to have a goal that they can identify and click it off because just getting better, what does that mean? Define better so you know when you click something off. And I think taking your own inventory and knowing how do I get in my own way is such a good point. What is it I do to get in my own way? Am I not present? Am I thinking about 10 other things when I'm working out or doing my sport or whatever? Or do I put pressure on myself? Do I have a negative internal? Whatever I do to get in my own way, people really need to sit down and say, what is it that I do that I can really improve? Insight's a key. I think people just really have to do that. And then figuring out what you're willing to do to get there. This became a real focus of mine. I guess I was 12 years old. I was on a football team, and we were really good. And we had great equipment and great coaches and a lush green field. And we had a game that got rained out. So on Monday, the coach from the Salvation Army called our coach and said, hey, I understand your game rained out on Saturday. Do you think we could come over and scrimmage you guys today, Monday? And our coach said, yeah, sure. And this ragtag bunch of kids came over, and they didn't have football shoes. They didn't have football pants. The kid that lined up across from me rolled up his jeans to the knees, so they were like football pants. And he was wearing loafers. He used masking tape to put the number four on his button-up shirt that he put on over his shoulder pads. None of their helmets matched. And, you know, we had all these fancy uniforms. They beat us so bad. It was like a track meet. Honest to God, they were running up and down that field. And I got in the car afterwards and looked at my dad and said, what the hell just happened? And he said, well, you just got your ass handed to you on a platter, boy. And I thought, well, I was looking for something a little more in-depth than that. And he said, they were just hungry. And I remember that moment in that car thinking, I want whatever they've got. Whatever those kids have inside, if they can do so much with so little, I was envious of those kids. I wanted what they had inside. And from that moment on, I was focused on figuring out why people do what they do and don't do what they don't do. Understanding motivation. I wanted to know what made those kids so hungry, so motivated. It was a life-changing moment for me. And that's why I've been so focused on this and love what you do so much. 
those kids, they were so thrilled to get a chance to play on grass because their field was just so hard dirt and had a manhole cover on the 40-yard line. <laughs> it was terrible. And they were so excited with what we took for granted. They had such a better attitude than we did. I learned so much that day, and I've never forgotten it. It's been, God, almost 60 years, and I've never forgotten it. It was such a mental difference between their attitude and ours. So I get it. I totally get and admire what you do. It's a great story, and you hit on all of the elements, though. For you, it was like very impactful teaching moment, right? Um, And even though it was a hard moment for you, um, you you embraced that moment and you learned from that moment. And it was sounds like it was a very like turning point in your life to really, you know, pave your way for all the things that you've done with your career, which is really cool. Oh, my God. Talk about a turning point in my life. My right shoulder still hurts when it rains. They hit me so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget it. So I love what you do. And thank you for sharing it with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Well, good luck to you. And I'm not going to say good luck to the Jets because I'm a Cowboy fan. You can you can like both teams. It's great. That's right. Maybe we'll meet in the Super Bowl. Perfect. I would love that. I bet I love the that. Jets are there before the Cowboys always shoot ourselves in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we're there soon. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Take care. So long. Bye. Bye. 